Those are the words of Corey Ten Boom. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? As I've expressed to you at the very least last week, one thing that I think, I feel, the Lord has put on my heart uh, for this year, for us as a church, one of the things is for us to intentionally take time to pray together, to deliberately, intentionally, and corporately set aside specific time in which we collectively go before the throne of grace together. Because the reality is, before Jesus calls us to do anything in life, he first and foremostly calls us to be with him. Mark chapter 3, verses 13 to 15, tell us, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those who he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. You have to understand the precise order and wording that is recorded there. Before Jesus sends out the twelve apostles, the twelve disciples, to do the important work of preaching, of teaching, of casting out demons, of healing the sick, and so on and so forth. Very important things to do, right, in gospel ministry. Before they do that, the text tells us they must first be with Jesus. What does that mean? It means to listen to him, to talk to him, to converse with him, to have fellowship with him. We see this also in play in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 38, familiar passage, but it's good to be refreshed in it nonetheless. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Those of you who know, who have hosted family members before in your home, or friends, relatives, strangers even, you know that there's a lot of work required to get your house ready. Uh, I certainly, we can certainly testify to that with the babies because there's always, our current house is always a train wreck right now. And anytime some church people or, fa- or even just family come over, we're like scrounging around to get everything in order and whatnot. So we, we get that. There, there's necessary good work to do. You need to make the bed, you need to vacuum, you need to sweep, you need to Wipe down the counters, you need to clean the bathroom, you need to cook food, cut vegetables, so on and so forth. Good, important, necessary things to cultivate a good, productive home. But before any of that, do you notice what Jesus emphasizes? What he puts the focus on? She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. What's more important for you and I than to busily do stuff is to sit at the feet of Jesus, to listen to him, but also to bring our requests to him, as Philippians chapter 4 tells us. 
another wonderful passage you may have heard the language about, but it's a great one to memorize as well. Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but then listen. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And you see, I, I hope you understand what prayer is. Prayer is responding back to what God has first said in his word. Prayer is simply continuing the conversation that God first started in his word. We're responding to God. We first listen to God, of course. We should always pray with an open Bible. We listen to God, but we respond to God through praise, through adoration, but also it is good and proper to bring your requests, your worries, your troubles, your desires, to submit it all to God in prayer. As that wonderful song goes, take it to the Lord in prayer. Bring everything to God in prayer. E.M. Bounds, he said, who's a mighty prayer warrior, I have a couple of his books, he wrote a lot about prayer. If you ever want to borrow them, they're small little thin books, they can easily be read and digested. But one of the quotes in the one of his books said, to be little with God is to be little for God. Just think about that. To be little with God is to be little for God. And what he's doing is summarizing these truths of the Bible. God's first and foremost calling and desire for us is to be with him. And that's echoed even in what Jesus said regarding the temple. Right? My house shall be called a house of prayer a place where people can fellowship and commune with God Almighty. So, therefore, in light of all those things this morning, what I want us to do as a church is have an extended time of prayer. And Lord willing, we'll do this at least quarterly, um, probably towards the first Sunday of each quarter. But it's a time for us as a church to intentionally and deliberately practice the presence of God. Uh, is what Brother Lawrence called it, practicing the presence of God. And Jesus invites us to come to him. Throughout Scripture, it's clear that he wants us to come to him. Come to me, come to me, bring your request, bring everything to me. It's as if God's word, it's as if Jesus is saying to us, talk to me, just come talk to me. If you're worried about something, come talk to me about it. Are you happy, rejoicing about something? Come talk to me about it. Are you sad? Talk to me about it. Are you confused? Talk to me about it. Bring everything to God in prayer. So with a massive, daunting, sometimes shaming topic like prayer, because, I mean, how many of us are proud of our prayer lives? Just be honest. I, I doubt anybody in this room is saying, no, I, I'm praying just enough in life. Thank you very much. I don't need to pray anymore. That's none of us, right? So how do we begin? How do we tackle? How do we engage in something that can be so conceptual, generic, and daunting? Because it's great work, it's important work, but how do we begin? Well, every Sunday it's going to look different. I have different things in my heart and mind that I want to lead us through. But you see, prayer doesn't necessarily have to mean sitting in complete silence with just trying to, you know, because if you try that for long enough, if you've lived long enough, you know, you know, you start praying about 
You know what, Lord? I, I pray for, for my, my child that you'll um, just bless them. You'll help them to grow in, in you. They'll come to know you. Uh, and Father, I pray that you'll keep us safe as we travel. And where was that place we went to last week? I don't remember. What was the name of that restaurant? What, what did I order? I, you know what I mean. It's just, you just go on this trail and eventually you just start thinking about random things and you're not even praying. So wh- why do I bring all of that up? It's okay, it's good, and it's proper to have guidance in prayer, to have instruction, to have some perhaps even structure to a prayer. You don't believe me? If you think prayer should be con- totally and only spontaneous, well, what did the disciples do in Luke chapter 10? If you remember, it's also recorded in Matthew. I think more of us are familiar with that passage, but in Luke, actually it's Luke chapter 11, forgive me. But the disciples of Jesus, chapter 11, verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Right? The 12 apostles who walked with Jesus every single day for three-ish years, roughly, if they struggled in their prayer life, if they struggled knowing what to do, what to say, how to say it, when to say it, and they asked the master teacher, Jesus, can you give us some help on this topic? We're not, we're not quite sure how to pray to the best of the, our abilities. What did Jesus do? When you pray, say. And many of us, if not all of us, are familiar with the Lord's Prayer. So this morning, what I want to do is I want us to uh, begin by praying the Lord's Prayer together uh, verbatim just to bring us all in unity so that we can all be united in the truth and reflect upon Jesus' words. And then we'll continue from there. But I hope you know that the Lord's Prayer, Jesus didn't necessarily intend it to be repeated verbatim. It's good to do that. It's fine to do that. But Jesus is saying, right, when you pray, this is what a prayer should consist of. This is what a prayer should contain, for it to be biblical, thorough, all-encompassing, and God-honoring and Christ-exalting. This is what a Christ-exalting prayer sounds like. So when you pray, say. So as we go into a time of prayer, um, know that uh, the little altar benches up here are available if you would like to use them. Uh, you're welcome to kneel at your seats. You're welcome to just sit in your seats. There's different means and modes by which you can pray. I'm personally going to be over there. And we're just going to pray. I'll, I'll guide us kind of minute by minute, moment by moment, keep our thoughts on focus upon Christ, upon the church, upon different things we can pray for according to his word. But let's begin, if you will, with reciting the Lord's Prayer together. Will you pray with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Take a bit of time to reflect on that first stanza. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Take some time to just praise God for who he is, how he is enthroned above the entire world. Praise him that he has adopted us into his family. And praise him that we can all call him our heavenly father. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Take some time to ask God, in what areas of your life do you need to submit to him? For God's kingdom to come into the world, in part that entails us submitting to him as king. And our finances, our sexuality, our work ethic our relationships, our speech, our thoughts. Ask God to open your eyes to see what areas of your life you need to submit to him as king. Give us this day our daily bread. What is it that you need today from God? What does your soul need today? If God has given you the basics of life, right, food, shelter, clothing, if he's given you strength, just the basic components of life we take for granted. Give him thanks for daily providing for you.
Forgive us our debts. The sin in your life that you may be struggling with, that may just have popped into your head, confess it to the Lord. Ask Him for strength, for His cleansing power to be in your life. Ask Him for forgiveness and look to Jesus as the one who's provided that forgiveness for us through the cross. as we forgive our debtors. For those people in your life who you may be holding onto some bitterness towards, will you ask God to give you the power, the grace, and the love to forgive them as God has first forgiven you? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Ask God to keep you far from crossing that line into sin territory. Ask Him to keep you close to Him, walking in the path of righteousness, the straight and narrow way. Ask Him for strength to resist the devil and to flee from temptation. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Give praise and honor and glory to God for who he is, that he is exalted above all, that he is good, he is compassionate, that he has revealed himself to us.
Let's turn our attention to the world now. Pray for the church universally around the world. That God would refine and renew the church. That he would embolden Christians to share their faith. That he would keep us rooted in the truth and not be led astray by false doctrine and by the ways of the world. for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. Pray that God would give them comfort. He would give them relief from the agony and ostracization they are suffering. And pray that they might have more boldness to share the gospel even in the midst of closed countries. Whether it be in Iran, North Korea, Somalia, or another country that is very closed off to Christianity, please pray for our family around the world that God might strengthen them and protect them. countries and regions that are in a political crisis, whether it be Afghanistan, Ukraine, Myanmar, Venezuela, ask that God would oust those oppressive regimes, either through conversion or that he would remove them and put into place God-fearing leaders who respect the decency and sanctity of human life. Pray for the Christians in those regions that though they go through the fire now, that many will come to know Christ in the midst of political turmoil. Ask God to raise up more missionaries, both from the states, but also to raise up more missionaries from around the world, particularly to raise up more people who will spread the gospel in places where the Bible is not yet translated.
to quit the ministry, who want to leave the mission field. Pray for our missionary partners, Kelsey in North Africa, and Seth and Camilla in Spain. That God would sustain them in their endeavors to spread the word around the world. turn our attention to the United States. Scripture tells us that we must pray for our leaders. So take some time now to pray for President Biden, Vice President Harris, Governor Yunkin, and all the legislators both in this state and in this country. Pray that if they don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, that first and foremostly they might be born again. And secondly, pray that all of these individuals might govern in such a way so that we, as the church and all people, might have peaceful, quiet lives. Pray for the church in this country, that we as his people might be united in Christ and in his word, that we'll put off little qualms and quarrels about non-essentials, and that we, his people, will be a brighter light in an ever-increasing dark country, and that we, his people, will do what we can to point others to the truth. Pray for the church in America. Let's narrow our focus more. Let's pray for Hillsborough Baptist Church. Pray that we'll be a church that does not compromise the truth. But pray the exact same time that we will be a church that compassionately shares the truth in a world filled with lies and deception.
pray that we'll be unified as a congregation. That we'll find our unity in the truth of who God is and what he's done and in what he's declared in his word. May we keep his truth at the centerpiece of who we are as a church. Ask God collectively that he might give us all a deeper passion to spread the gospel. That he'll give us the words to say and the opportunities to say them to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors who need to hear about Jesus. Take a moment to pray for the preschool, for Amy, for Karen, Sybil, Trisha, Joe, Alyssa, and Barbara. Pray that God would work through these ladies to encourage the kids, to strengthen them in the word, and to share the love of Christ with them. That they'll always remember as they grow up. Thank God for all that he's done for the preschool this year. And over the past 10, 15, 20 years. Take some time to pray for the Lord to send the right person to come and serve as a student ministries pastor here. Someone who's willing to put down some roots to serve this church, serve the community. Ask that God will send the right person at the right time. Let's narrow our focus one more time and pray personally. Mark chapter 10, verse 36 records what I think is one of the most astounding questions posed in the Bible by Jesus. And that's when he asks James and John, what do you want me to do for you? And if Jesus were to ask you that directly today, 
what would you ask him for? What do you want Jesus to do in your life that only he could do? Think about somebody in your life who's a close friend or even a work associate or an acquaintance, somebody you know who is lost. Just think about one person for now. Whoever that person is, will you bring them before the throne of grace, asking that God would do a work in their hearts, open their eyes to see their sin, Open their eyes to see their need for Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit to do a supernatural work to save that lost person. you have a child, a grandchild, a spouse, or another close family member who's lost, pray for that one individual whom the Lord put on your heart, that God would save them and cleanse them and change them. Whatever else may be on your heart this morning, bring it before the Lord in prayer. However big, however small your concern may be, bring it before him in prayer.
I'd like to close our time with the prayer from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. If you'd like to turn there to follow along, you're welcome to. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 tells us, and this is our prayer. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Dear church, when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. I want this to be a year in which we see, are able to see God's hand visibly at work in our lives personally, and in the lives of this entire congregation collectively. Do you want to see God work in your life? Do you believe that he still works today? Right, The God that did miracles in the New Testament, he's still alive and active. He still is with us and cares for us. Jesus tells us in the book of Hebrews, there's grace, there's help, there's mercy, there's strength, all at his disposal. There's only one requirement. Will you come to him asking for it? If we come and ask, he'll give it. But if you do not have, it's because you have not first asked from God. When we work, we work. When we pray, God works. We stand now. We'll sing the doxology, and then we'll um, be dismissed.